back again with Sparky and Spazoid. If you're following along at home, then allow me, Riley, to remind you that these guys are supposed to be saving the human race by finding us a new home. It's definitely not going to be the world they're on. They've got to get back to their mothership, but they're both in a bit of a pickle, left in what you might call cliffhanger-type situations. Spazoid just dove into a pool of water that's being suspended at the top of the machine, and Sparky still has a tonsil terror stuck to his face. If you're lost, you can go back and listen to chapters 1 through 9 at illvicestories.com. Here comes chapter 10. Chapter 10. New stuff for everyone. Sparky would never say he was lost. According to him, he couldn't get lost. It wasn't possible. He was an explorer, and if it ever happened that he didn't know where he was, it meant he discovered somewhere new, and he was doing his job the right way. It was an argument he'd had with Spazoid before, often when they were lost. He had trouble remembering if his large metal friend had ever come around to his point of view. Focusing on anything was hard with a tonsil terror stuck to his face, with its mandibles too far down his throat to be comfortable. Not that there was any distance that an alien life form could go inside you that would be considered cozy. Knock it off! Sparky tried saying while pulling at the creature. It had managed to get its long, floppy ears under Sparky's helmet. The ears gripped the back of his head like suction cups, even if it heard Sparky's demands, which of course it couldn't since Sparky's voice was impeded by having its mandibles down his throat, the creature wouldn't have let go. It was a tonsil tear and this was its job. The only problem was that despite its probing of Sparky's throat, it had failed to find any tonsils to terrorize. Its tonsil sense had warned the little monster that Sparky lacked the organ, but the creature thought it warranted further investigation. Sparky was to all appearances a ten-year-old humanoid, the perfect incubator for alien eggs. I'm warning you, Sparky tried to say, but it came out as... He dropped down to his knees and reached around on the floor, searching for his pulse pistol. It wasn't far away. He brought it up, pointing it just in front of his chin, squarely at the creature's backside. Last chance, he muttered, which came out as... He couldn't tell what the setting on the weapon was. He hoped it was on stun, not because he didn't want to kill this thing, but because he didn't want to blow his head off in the process. The tonsil terror didn't notice the barrel of the weapon. Otherwise, it would have zapped Sparky with its electric pulse. The little monster was too busy digging into the soft flesh at the back of Sparky's tongue. He'd found something odd there. Below the meat was something synthetic, a hard surface that wasn't bone. The tonsil terror was going to investigate further, but then Sparky pulled the trigger. The stun blast hit the tonsil terror like a punch from a heavyweight boxer. It crashed into the creature, forcing it off Sparky's face. The tonsil terror bounced off the ceiling, then dropped to the floor. Unfortunately, its ears were still attached to Sparky's head. His helmet was ripped away. He was thrown off his feet. Sparky got up and looked at the creature. I warned you, he said. His voice was hoarse, so it still didn't sound right. He held his pulse pistol out and ran towards the tonsil terror, kicking it like a football. Then while the creature was still in the air, he blasted it again, sending it flying down the hall. A high-pitched squeal echoed behind it as it disappeared. Sparky bent down and picked up his helmet. He wiped the goo from inside, then realized the ears were still stubbornly stuck to the back of his head. He peeled them off and threw them away in disgust. They landed, flopping around on the floor. Don't worry, tonsil terrors could grow back their ears like lizards grow back their tails. This little guy would be back to implanting victims in no time. I don't think I like this world very much, Sparky said. 
Then he heard a voice answer out of the dark. I don't think, but I do like. Not this place, it's certainly shy of paradise. It's only for the cracks, you see, like eggs over hammy. The hammy of your mammy. The words poured out of nowhere. Who said that? Sparky asked with his pulse pistol out, searching the darkness. Mammy, mammy, but not for me. No mammy for me. No, only rockets for me. That's all I'll take. Have you seen a rocket by chance? The voice asked. The light on Sparky's vest moved slowly until something reflected the glow back. Two eyes floated in front of him with a silver line between them. It took Sparky a moment to see the arms and legs holding up the narrow form. Whoa. Sparky said, feeling a thrill at seeing something so alien that wasn't trying to kill or implant him. You speak English? Sparky asked, still unsure what he was looking at. I've communed with goats. Portal nodded his head, or the part of him that was like his head. You know, before today, that would have made no sense. Sparky pointed out. Portal nodded his head again and added, You know, before today, the stars were like oysters, unopened and stinky in the mud. So much for making sense, Sparky said, putting his gun back in its holster. He was too tired to twirl it. Did you say something about rockets? And oysters, those shining stars, Portal pointed up the ceiling. Sparky looked up, expecting to see something. There was nothing, of course, but playing along with nutty people or self-aware alien robots was usually the safest bet. Never call an insane person or a cracked robot out on their craziness. Just smile and pretend it's all normal. Right, but the rockets? Sparky asked. Yes, they boom this way! Portal waved his arm over his shoulder as he walked away. He shimmered in the air, seeming to float. Sparky followed him, certain that wherever he was going, he'd discover something new. Meanwhile, Spazoid wasn't feeling the thrill of discovery. He was feeling the excitement that could only come from escaping an alien horde of murderous creatures. His question about whether Tonsilteros could swim had been answered. They can't, not very well anyway. Their main problem is going down. See, Tonsilteros are a buoyant race, which means they float. They are incapable of swimming under the surface. While they would never drown, they could never get to the bottom of an ocean either, never be able to collect things like lobsters. Not that they'd want anything to do with lobsters, lobsters don't have tonsils. In fact, tonsil terrors were so bad at diving, it was believed that some intelligent races had escaped their invasions by growing tails and becoming water breathers. Entire civilizations of mer-aliens may exist in response to the tonsil terror threat. But that is a story for another day. For now, it was enough for Spazoid to watch the evil little creature struggle down after him, before being forced back to the surface by their own bodies. He could almost hear their outraged screams squealing through the water like psychotic dolphins. Where are we going? The goat asked. There were lights ahead of them, deep down in the water. Towards those, obviously. Spazoid pointed at the glowing bluish-white spots, dancing and swaying in the current. What are they? The goat asked. It was temporary, but he'd come out of his hiding place to look out the glass canopy. How should I know? What am I, your tour guide? Spazoid didn't try to hide his annoyance. No, I just thought if you were swimming towards them, you must know what they are, the goat pointed out. Nope, can't say that I do. Spazoid may not have known what the lights were, but he had a feeling about the water he was in. He didn't understand how the alien machine worked, but he did know that something ahead of him was putting out a lot of heat. This water was probably some sort of cooling. He wasn't picking up any dangerous radiation, but then again, his sensors were limited. Right now, he and the goat could be exposing themselves to all sorts of dangerous rays. Seems a bit reckless, the goat said. You have no idea, Spazoid muttered. Glad the goat hadn't read his thoughts. Spaz had been built to survive in outer space. The goat, on the other hand, well, he was an organic creature, and organic creatures could be a bit fragile. What was that? What did you say? The goat asked. Nothing. 
Just remember, Spaz pointed back to the tonsil terrors, still bobbing like corks above them. Staying back there with those murder monsters would have been a lot more reckless. Spaz kept motoring down towards the lights. He was convinced there was an alien engine out there ahead of him, some sort of answer to how this place worked. If he could get that data back to the Ark, their ship, he and Sparky would be heroes. Imagine what the crew could do with information on this machine. Is it getting warm in here? The goat asked. The temperature of the water was going up. I had a notice, Spazoid lied, hoping he wouldn't end up boiling the goat. He imagined it'd be hard to get the smell out of the cockpit if the animal died in there. He continued to cruise deeper. He used his sensors, trying to collect as much information as possible. But all the data in the world couldn't have made sense of this place. Suddenly, without warning, he surfaced. This was strange. Very strange. He'd been going down, so reaching the top of the water seemed unlikely. But this was a different surface. Usually, for a body of water to be contained, it had to have something under it, like a basin. Apparently, that didn't apply in the alien machine. Where are we? The goat asked, looking around at all. He didn't dive back under a seat, because what he saw wasn't scary. In fact, it was familiar, just very strange. Good question, Spaz said angrily. I've never actually been here before. You get that, right? He was still trying to get his bearings. Despite the constantly shifting orientation, up becoming down and whatnot, he had a vague idea of where they should be in the machine. He'd been mapping the structure in his databank. He thought they should be somewhere near the top, but apparently there was no top. Above him was a vast night sky dotted with stars. Spazoid and the goat had somehow ended up swimming to the surface of an ocean. There was no edge to it either, not as far as Spaz could see. It went on forever, as oceans sometimes do. I don't get it, Spazoid said, trying to make sense of what he saw. We're outside? The goat asked. Maybe? Spazoid sounded unsure as he looked around for the lights he'd seen in the water. They weren't far away, but they weren't as bright on this side of the ocean's surface. They were shining down towards the depth, clinging to the bottom of an island. The lights created a halo around the island as waves rolled up and lapped gently against its rocky shore. In the center of the island was a tall tower with another light on top of it. Where are we going? The goat asked. Have you ever heard a frustrated robot? No. Then it might be hard to imagine how Spaz sounded. Picture your dad or your mom getting a flat tire after a long day at work. Spaz sounded like that as he answered. Apparently to a lighthouse, in the middle of an ocean, in the middle of a giant alien machine. He knew it wasn't the goat's fault, but a moment ago he thought he had figured this place out. Then somehow he ended up staring at a lighthouse. He sighed heavily. You know, goat, you keep asking me questions, and I'm trying to get it through to you. I don't have answers. I suppose I should keep my mouth shut, the goat said. It's a thought, Spazoid answered, as he started towards the island. It's great for me to listen to these chapters again, because I'm working on book two. In fact, I just finished chapter five of the second book, so hopefully we'll be doing this again next year. The characters' voices are much clearer now than when I worked on Portal's World. It took me a while to come up with Spazoid. I'd played around with a number of ideas, including using an electronic voice modulator to make me sound like a robot. It wasn't great. Then I wrote down every detail of his personality. One aspect above everything else stuck out, his grouchiness. Well, I knew of one famous grouch, so I started watching Sesame Street clips and spent some time studying Oscar. It seemed like the perfect fit, because when I was a kid I loved anything to do with the Muppets. Carol Spinney, who voiced Oscar, was the same person who performed Big Bird. And like me, he was from New England, just north of here in Massachusetts. I'm sure you'll hear similarities now when you listen to the podcast. 
But here's something else I've noticed. My girls and I have been watching the show Gravity Falls. It's really funny. I hadn't seen it till after this book was recorded, but Spazoid, inspired by Oscar the Grouch, sounds amazingly like Grunkle Stan. Anyway, if you want to buy the book and see some of the illustrations, it's available on Amazon. I've also been creating a regular webcomic on Webtoons featuring these characters. The music for this podcast was provided by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening.